If you have your Bibles, let's go back to the book of 1 Samuel. We'll go to 1 Samuel chapter 23. Um, if you're not here this morning, we are planning to look at the life of some lessons from the life of David uh, this weekend. And I want to look at 1 Samuel chapter 23 this evening. We'll read the first 15 verses, and I'll title the message this evening, Hoping in God When Under Pressure. Hoping in God When Under Pressure. 1 Samuel 23 and verse 1. Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah, and they rob the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. And David's men said to him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord yet again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. And it came to pass when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, fled to David to Keilah, that he came down with an ephod in his hand. And it was told that Saul that David was come to Keilah, and Saul said, Saul said, God hath delivered him into mine hand, for he is shut in by entering into a town that hath gates and bars. And Saul called all the people together to war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. And David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring hither the ephod. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then said David, Will the men of Keilah deliver me up and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver thee up. Then David and his men, which were about six hundred, arose and departed out of Keilah and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah and he forbear to go forth. And David abode in the wilderness in strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. My aim in this message is to um, encourage those who are in heavy or stressful situations by being exhorted to hope and to trust and to depend upon our faithful God, hoping in God when under pressure. And also we want to see at the end, see in David a a glorious glimpse of Jesus Christ. So we have to fast forward from the message this morning. This morning we noted how that God provided a king, that Saul proved himself to be an unfaithful king. And so God assured Samuel that he had provided a king, and this king, of course, was David which points us, as we mentioned this morning, to the the greater David, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we needed a king, that we were in rebellion against God, and we needed a king. We needed one to, to save us, to conquer our rebellious hearts, to destroy our enemies, to protect us, and to lead us to God. And God has provided that for his people in the greater David King Jesus. But we also noted that, 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 Sam, that David was a real man, that he was a real man after God's own heart. He loved God de- dearly. And Saul, Samuel had anointed, under God's direction, had anointed David as the next king of Israel. 
And so we say, well, why do we find an anointed king here in this situation? You remember that David had, had killed Goliath, and there was the great celebration and the praise, but in the celebration uh, for the destroying of Goliath, that Saul got jealous because David was being praised for killing 10,000 and Saul only for thousands. And so Saul started this campaign, this murderous campaign of envy against David because he was felt threatened in his own kingdom. And so you find David, a hunted man, He's now he has 600 men with him, and he is running for his life from Saul. But notice in 1 Samuel 20, just the stress and the pressure that David faced in this season when Saul was pursuing him. You know, one thing that's comforting about God's Word is that God's Word speaks to His people in every situation. That God's Word is sufficient. That God's Word speaks to us in moments when we are heavily weighted down and don't know what to do next and don't know what decision to make. Just, just take this piece from David's life in 1 Samuel 20. This is when he's talking to Jonathan. And, and David says in verse 3 of 1 Samuel 20, David swore moreover and said to Jonathan, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, David says, there's but a step between me and death. Now can you imagine that kind of a pressure? David is living every day thinking, this may be the last day I'm alive. There's just a step between me and death. At any time, Saul could break in. They could find out where we're hiding. At any time, I could die. Now I've had stressful situations, but I've never been that bad off. There's a step between me and death. It could be today. I mean, I can feel Saul breathing down my neck. But we might ask ourselves, why do we find David here? If he's a man pleasing to God, if he's a man after God's own heart, if he's just been anointed by the prophet to be the next king of Israel, why, do we find, why don't we find him in a palace? Why don't we find him on a throne? Why don't we find him getting the honor that he deserves? Why do we find him a hunted man being chased all over the country, scared for his life, full of stress, full of anxiety, read the Psalms, full of pressure? Why do we find him there? Because if he was walking in fellowship with God, surely things would be better with him, right? Wrong (laughs) in this case. You know that God has a pattern many times in Scripture. We talked this morning about desire to be those who God would use. Well, God has a pattern in Scripture many times of those who he will greatly use that God will put under pressure. That God will show them their weakness, will show them their insufficiency, will show them their utter dependence upon God. You find it with Moses. Moses is ready to go um, uh, kick out uh, or or rescue Israel and and, uh, kick the Egyptians to the curb. But God says, not for 40 more years. You've got to spend 40 years in the wilderness. And so we find David, the man after God's own heart, the one who is anointed by God to be the next king of Israel in such a heavy, heavy time. There's just a step between me and death. You know, God's sovereign in these heavy seasons of our lives. We, we have to believe that because that's what God's word reveals. If need be, First Peter says, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. As we often say, we don't decide the need be, do we? God decides the need be. If need be, you're in heaviness under under manifold temptations. But God is worthy of our confidence even in these seasons. But I can't help but my heart go out to David, y'all, because here's the deal. David didn't sign up for this. What did David do to get in this mess? Well, he got chosen by God to be the king of Israel. 
That's where it started. David's anointed as king. Well, then what happens? Well, then he's faithful to do what nobody else will do. He goes and he fights against Goliath and he kills Goliath. All right, surely there's great outward blessing coming now, Lord. And it does for a little while. But then because David was faithful and he killed the enemy of Israel, now he's incurred Saul's jealousy and murderous rage. And so now David finds himself a hunted man all just because God picked him to be the next king of Israel and he was faithful to God. David didn't sign up for this. But this is where God had David. How can we find hope? How can we find uh, instruction when under pressure? Well, we find David here. He's got these 600 men. He hears that the city of Keilah, one of the cities of Israel, is under attack by the Philistines. And so he says, Lord, do I go? Do I go and deliver Keilah? Well, who should have been delivering Keilah? It should have been King Saul, right? But David is selfless. And David, a beautiful picture of Christ, he goes and he saves the inhabitants of Keilah. But then David is now in this walled city. And uh, Abiathar, the, the priest, comes and he has an ephod in his hand. The ephod was a priestly garment that uh, they would use. We won't go into all of that, but it was a way they would discern the will of God. We don't have ephods today, so don't get any ideas. Uh, but they would have this ephod. They would inquire of the will of God. So what did David do when he was under pressure? David was often at his best. He was at his best when we find him seeking the face of God. We find him seeking the face of God. There's at least six different occasions in David's life where we find an expression like this. And David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. So we think about the ephod applied to us. Let's think about prayer. Let's think about looking into God's word. Let's think about godly counsel. David said, Lord, what, what do I do? Will, will, will the men of Keilah deliver me up? I recognize it is. It would be nice to have that direct of an answer right there, wouldn't it? God, are they going to give me up? Yeah, they'll give you up. Well, or is Saul coming? Yes, he's coming. Will they give me up? Yes, they'll give me up. Okay, we're out of here. <laughs> David was at his best when he was on his knees. He was at his best when he saw, I don't have all the answers. He was at his best when he saw his need of God's wisdom and counsel. So God's not in the habit today, okay? If God gives you that quick of an answer, praise be to his name. But God's not in the habit today of speaking through an ephod. But God is in the habit today of blessing his people as they seek his face at the means that he has appointed. As they seek God through his word. Say, God, show me your way. As, David, as we looked this morning, as David often did, Lord, teach me from the scriptures. As they, as they pray, as they seek godly counsel, and as they do it with a humble heart. As they do it with an open-minded and humble heart before the Lord. Pressure times, this should give us hope when we're under pressure. Pressure times make us keenly aware of our dependence on God. Of our dependence on God. When we were at camp, Mariah, this, uh, several, I've heard comment and I felt the same way. There were several evenings there when we sang the hymn, I need thee every hour. I need thee every hour. I don't know if you felt it, but I felt as if we're all singing this together and we all wholeheartedly mean this. Lord, we need you. We need you in the hour of temptation. We need you for wisdom. Lord, we need you for direction. We need you to strengthen us for the callings that we have. We need you. And brothers and sisters, there's a way that we are brought to see our need of God's help and mercy during times of pressure that we just don't see when everything's fine. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take all the cloudless seasons I can get, right? I'll take all the sunshine God will give. But there is a sweetness. 
There is a sweetness during times of pressure of being brought near to God, saying, Lord, I've got to hold on to you, and I don't for, want to, for a moment want to let you go because I couldn't live without you. Some of David's best moments were when he was under the greatest pressure. So he seeks the face of God. He seeks the face of God. Let's go down. God says, all right, now you've got to leave. Leave Keilah. It says in verse 14, And David abode in the wilderness in strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. Get this. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. Think about pressure. Now, again, why do we have these stories? That which was written aforetime was written for our learning, Romans 15, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. That we might have hope. Think about David's life. Just, just put, put yourself into his situation this moment. So every single day in the wilderness of Ziph, in strongholds, forts, caves, any place you can hide, your third cousin's barn, maybe you can hide 600 men in there and Saul won't see. But, but, but wherever, David's just going from place to place. And every day Saul's seeking his life. So just think about a possible Monday in David's life in this situation. A possible Monday. So you're in a cave somewhere. Somebody says, hey, we've gotten word Saul is like an hour away. He and his armies are an hour away. What do we do? Well, I remember, don't you have a cousin down the road there that has a cave? Yeah, that'd be a great place. Somebody says, no, 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 no. I saw him the other day. I was out scouting, and he was talking to Saul's men. I bet he'll give us up. So David's like, Lord, what do we do? Where do we go next? Do we take the food with us? I don't know if we have time. But if we don't take the food, where will we eat tomorrow? And somehow, some way, they get through Monday, they come to the end of Monday night, and they all, all are safe. They don't know how. They're all delivered. Praise be the Lord. And then the next morning it's Tuesday, and they've got to do it all over again. There may be some of you here tonight that are living that way right now. Where you say, Lord, I'm not really sure if I can make it to the end of Monday. I've got big decisions today. I'm not sure about this factor. Somehow, some way, it's Monday night. Praise be to the Lord. You're still with me. <laughs> The roof's still over my head. Sleep. You wake up. All right, Lord, I need you today. I need you today. Hope in God when under pressure. Now, look in Psalm 18. Look in Psalm 18. What did David do in times like this? The, some of the Psalms help us, to, help us to fill in the details. In Psalm 18, this is a psalm where the, the title of the psalm is a, psalm of pra- a song of praise and victory. After the Lord had delivered, it says, David from the hand of all of his, his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And from the hand of Saul. So sometimes we might think of the heroes of Scripture as always knowing exactly what to do. Of always knowing the exact next move to make. And yet, we find them really more like us. But here's what we find them at their best. We find them crying out to God. So Psalm 18, verse 4. David says, The sorrows of death compassed me. The floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me, and, and the snares of death prevented me. What does he do? In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God, and he heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even into his ears. Doesn't that make Dave, that scene of David come alive a little bit? Lord, in my distress... Perhaps when they were right on our heels and we barely escaped, Lord, you delivered, but we cried out to you in our distress. Or Psalm 25, Psalm 25 and verse 15. David says here, he says, Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. 
Now, that's a good place to live. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. So, Lord, in this pressure, my hope is, and what strengthens me is, is that I'm, my eyes are ever toward you. Because you're my sufficiency, you're my help in the midst of this stress, in the midst of this pressure, in the midst of this danger. My eyes are ever toward the Lord. And if the Lord loves us as much as we got the sentiment from the message that we just heard from Brother Dan, don't you know that the Lord's eyes are ever towards you? Isn't that good to know? That in that cave where David was, in this stronghold, while he's fleeing, God's eyes are ever towards his people? Did not David himself say in Psalm 23, here's, here's my praise, that my shepherd, is, the Lord is my shepherd, and he's promised me that surely his goodness, his mercy, will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you know, brothers and sisters, that God has a track record of sustaining his people through great storms? Look at the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 in verse 8. He says, For we would not have you, we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Sounds like David. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves. For what purpose? That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. This same Paul in the same book would say later that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Paul would say here that God has he brought us to a point where we despaired even of life to teach us something really powerful. So that we would not trust in ourselves, but in the one, the very one who raises the dead. The very one who raises the dead. Well, this message is to give you hope. Hope to trust in God when under pressure. We, 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 we are encouraged to hope in God by seeking His face as David did. Lord, show me your way. Give me wisdom. In my distress, I cry out to you. We have hope because God has a track record of sustaining His people in their weakness, showing His strength. But look back in 1 Samuel 23. Look at some of God's un, uh, unexpected provisions. Here's one way that God provided for David, and he heard his cry there in the wilderness. So in 1 Samuel 23, after we just read that David was in this wilderness being sought by Saul every day, look at verse 16 of how that God blessed him, how God provided for him. It says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. And strengthened his hand in God. How did God provide for David? God sent David a friend. And this friend loved the same God that David loved. And this friend strengthened David's hand in God. That same Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians says this, God who comforts those that, uh, that are cast down, he comforted me by the coming of a friend named Titus. This same Paul would say in 2 Timothy at the end of his ministry, he said, you know that guy Onesiphorus? God bless him. God bless him because when I was in Rome in prison, he sought me out diligently and found me, and he often refreshed me. He often refreshed me. When you're under pressure, brothers and sisters, ask God to send you a Jonathan and go look for a Jonathan. God has a, God has a faithful way of strengthening his people through faithful, godly friends. And I love, I love we don't, we're not preaching, we're preaching about David, but I love to think about Jonathan. You talk about an unlikely friend that God provided for David. 
Who would have thought that God would provide a friend for David who was strengthened his hand? Who was Jonathan? He was Saul's son. He's the son of the king who's running after David trying to kill him. But you know what? Jonathan, Jonathan had more in common with David than he had with his own dad. You know why? Because Jonathan and David loved the same God. Their friendship and their bond was built upon their mutual commitment to the Lord. Jonathan, was, he was quite a man in his own right. He had, number one, he had great theology, okay? He believed in a big, he had big God theology. We believe that around here, don't we? Big God theology. How do we know that? Well, there was a time earlier in 1 Samuel where there, there was another, another battle. And Jonathan just has a couple of guys with him and says, let's go down there and attack. Because with God, it doesn't matter. He can save with many or he can save with few. I believe in a big God. And he didn't just have big theology. He acted on it. And so they go down and they win a great victory. Jonathan's also a man of great, of great humility. You know why it's unlikely that Jonathan would be David's friend? It was because David kicked Jonathan out of a job. <laughs> really, God did. Who should have been, humanly speaking, the next king? Well, it would have been the son of Saul. That would have been Jonathan's spot. But God said, no, no, I'm going to anoint David. Look at what Jonathan says. Here's how he encourages David in 1 Samuel 23, verse 17. And he said to him, Fear not, don't be afraid, David, for the hand of of Saul, my father, shall not find thee, and thou shalt be the next king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee, and that also Saul, my father, knoweth. See, Jonathan believed what God had said through the prophet Samuel, that David would be the next king of Israel, and you know what? Jonathan was okay with it. It reminds me of John the Baptist, where the crowds come and they're trying to Stir up envy between John the Baptist and Jesus. All the crowds are going to Jesus. And John says, great, praise the Lord. He must increase, but I must decrease. A faithful friend who strengthens David's hand in God, Jonathan, he was more interested in the glory of God than his own glory. He was more interested in the advancement of the kingdom of God than his own personal advancement. Let me just encourage us as parents, encourage young people, encourage us all. One of the prayers that I pray for my children frequently is that they would have godly friends and that they would be godly friends. But you know what? It's not just young kids that need godly friends. It's all of us. And that's part of what Dan was just preaching about, about the church, of this body, of these people who love the same Christ, who who sometimes share the same weaknesses, of friends who can do things like James 5.16, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Like Galatians 6, bear each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And I'm sure that he'll get to some of the very things that I'm saying now. But God provided for a man who was under pressure by sending him a godly friend who strengthened his hand in God. Praise the Lord for his provision. Well, that's a happy note, but then more stress comes. The people of Ziph, where David's at, they, they rat him out. They go tell Saul, hey, David's down here. And so Saul comes with his men. And, and I recognize this is a lot of narrative tonight, but I want you to feel the weight of what David was feeling and how God delivers him in the midst of that. Well, here's what happens. Saul comes with his armies. They find where David's at. We'll pick up in verse 25. Saul also and his men went to seek him. And they told David, wherefore he came down into Iraq and abode in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that, he pursued after David in the wilderness of Maon. And Saul went on this side of the mountain. And David and his men went on that side of the mountain. And David made haste to get away for fear of Saul. I'm getting stressed just reading this. For Saul and his men compassed David. They surrounded him. 
and his, can pass David and his men round about to take them. Could just, just think about this scene. Saul's, we're found out. He knows where we're at. Here comes his big armies, and we're on this side of the mountain. They're over there, and there's, now they've surrounded us. And you could just imagine the men. David, what do we do? We're about to die. Look at God's faithful provision, verse 27. But there came a messenger unto Saul, saying, Haste thee and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Good timing, Philistines. <laughs> wherefore, wherefore Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. Therefore they called that place, and I will not try to pronounce that. It's a long name that means the rock of divisions. Praise God for his provision. Have you ever experienced that? But Lord, it was all over. There, there, there was, I didn't know what else to do. And at just the right time, in just the right way, you provided for me an unexpected provision. What's the encouragement we get from God's word? In the midst of pressure, hope in a faithful God. Now, God may not always bail you out in the same way. Stephen, our brother Stephen in the book of Acts he got bailed to glory, right, through the stoning. He didn't get bailed from the stoning, but through the stoning to glory. But the point is, it's the same faithful God with the same faithful care for his people in the midst of our afflictions who gives these faithful provisions. David didn't plan this. He didn't orchestrate this. But God's gracious and wise providence brought it about. So hope in God. Hope in a God who can give an unexpected friend and an unexpected deliverance in the midst of pressure. Now, as we close, when we're talking about this story, remember that God didn't just deliver an isolated individual named David. Because David's deliverance affected so many people. David was going to be the next king of Israel, so God delivering David in this moment was going to be a blessing not only to David, but for all the nation who he would reign over. But it also still affects us today, doesn't it? Because not only would David reign over Israel, but as we saw this morning, God had determined that through the tribe of Judah, through the family of David, he would eventually send the king Messiah, Jesus Christ. And so we see God delivering David here from what seemed like a certain death when Saul has got him surrounded in this mountain. Guess what else we're supposed to see? Well, praise God, because David's in the line of the Messiah. And so when God delivered David that day, he did it to deliver David, but also with a view that one day there would be a great, great, great grandson of David named Jesus who would deliver me, who would deliver me. Just as David in the beginning here goes and he rescues the people of God who are in danger from the Philistines in the city of Keilah, so Christ has come and he has rescued us from our greatest danger. Let me, let me tell you that the... the what should give us hope under pressure is the reality of the gospel of Christ. Think about it this way. You talk about stress. You talk about pressure. There is no greater pressure than facing the wrath of God. No greater, no greater pressure. There's no greater stress than being a slave to sin and to darkness. And Christ has come and he has rescued his people from the stress of facing Almighty God outside of the blood of Jesus. And, he's, and if Christ has rescued us from that greatest pressure, brothers and sisters, we can and we must trust Him to give us strength and grace through every other pressure. We sing about it. We sing about it. We say, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, Lord, you've taught me to say it's well with my soul. Well, why is that? Well, the next verse Though Satan should buffet, 
the trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. Just like Jesus, just like David, the greater David Jesus, from his very first public sermon back at the Nazareth synagogue in his hometown, when he spoke some of the most beautiful and gracious words, from the start, what are they doing? They try to throw him off the hill to kill him. And then Jesus himself is the subject of continual, in his ministry, of continual um, opposition and slander and plans and conspiracies and assassination attempts and all the rest. Dan said he, he was a real man with a real body. Hebrews tells us that we have a great high priest who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities because he was attempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. And so when you under your stress and your pressure and the heaviness and the weight go to this God in prayer and cry out in distress, you have a Savior at God's right hand who's making intercession for you, who knows what it is as a man to face such heavy things. Isn't that, isn't that comforting? God doesn't despise the weakness of his people. He welcomes his weak people to come to him crying out for mercy. But then finally, notice the contrast. I want us to see this because of the great love of Jesus Christ. What do we find that God delivered David? And it's amazing. You you read his life. God delivered David from battle after that man fought. I don't know how many battles. And he survived every single one of them. He, he, he brought him out of crisis after crisis. He, he uh, survived a government overthrow attempt by his own son and then a second one. All kinds of crazy dangers and crises that God delivered David into the point we find at the end of his life. It doesn't say he died in his bed with his family singing as well with my soul, but you kind of get that picture. He's there with his family. It seems to be at peace. He's making sure Solomon's going to reign. And then he's gone to glory. It's a pretty good way to go. Did the greater David die that way? He did not, did he? He was surrounded by mockers and taunters as he's there on the cross to bring about our greatest deliverance. And the scripture says if God God delivered David, he didn't deliver his son. And Romans 8 tells us if he spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? David was delivered, and the greater David was delivered up to death. And if God has saved us from so great a death, from so great a curse of sin, then we have every reason to trust him through every trial and every storm as we wait that way to go to glory. May God bless us to trust him and hope when under pressure.